0: Hey, it's your old pal Slim and you're listening to Faves, an upbeat talk show about our favorite things. In this episode, my dad makes his third appearance to talk about the 1946 film The Yearling, starring Gregory Peck.
1: This is a uh, this is the ultimate family movie, I think.
0: We also discuss life as a farmer, the colorization of film, and his favorite horror movies. Enjoy You were eight when you first saw it, I guess? Or it came out when you were eight years old, I think. Uh, no, Eight-ish. it came out in
1: 1947. So I was uh, nine. Mm. Yeah, nine years old.
0: When did you first see it? Was that when you first saw it? Yeah. Really? Did you go to the theater?
1: Yep. The, mm. Fair, the Fairmount Theater in the uh, Fairmount section of Philadelphia. And uh, yes. Yes.
0: So, is that still there oh,
1: the oh, theater I always remembered it no it uh, closed down in 1956 jeez. because they had too many uh incidents of violence inside the theater <laughs> really and then in, in, in the 50s yeah what kind of violence would happen in the 50s i feel well, i can't imagine ni- violence. somebody was knifed jeez yeah and of course you know television was taken over mm-hmm. and um uh, neighborhood theaters everywhere were closing. Yeah. So that just, because of the different uh, incidents that happened there, it just encouraged them to close, I guess. Mm-hmm. But yeah, a lot of happy memories gone there. So did
0: you, we, so you were nine. Did your parents take you? What was the, like, no, you we went just, by yourself?
1: I went with my friend who lived across the street, Joe, and uh, we used to walk. About five blocks, I guess. Jeez! To get to the theater, can you imagine James going to the movies by himself with a oh, yeah. Because it's
0: essentially what you did. It's, it's yeah, yeah. His age. And
1: I remember seeing some nighttime shows. Really? Uh, yeah, evening shows that like over the weekend, mm-hmm. and and in the summertime, and uh, we would, I guess, it would fifteen cents, hmm. and we would get in.
0: So what was and, your what was your first impression of the film when you saw it with your friend?
1: Oh, oh, excellent! Yeah, this is a this is the ultimate family movie. I think the, this is the movie where a lot of family films up to date try to be as good as this, mm. but uh, they can't. They can't capture that great feeling that the movie had. Mm-hmm.
0: So does this rank in your top three in terms of King's Row and uh,
1: yeah? It's up Louis? there in my top five. Definitely. Top five. Yeah. And uh, great cast. Mm-hmm. Gregory Peck did a tremendous job. Looks like a model, a male model in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> and Jane Wyman, what a performance by her as the mother who was kind of disillusioned with life because she lost, I think, what, three of three her kids. children yeah. At, at an early age. And she was like afraid to uh, express her feelings uh, uh, of affection to express her love. she was actually afraid to love love somebody because of the heartbreak that the the loss of her children caused mm-hmm. her. But Gregory Peck understood you know he was very patient with her and understanding, and eventually I don't know I, I think she started to warm up, uh, especially when Jody. The son, they found him after that mm-hmm. long search. What'd you think of the movie?
0: I, I wasn't sure what to think the first hour. Ooh. There's two hours. And I was starting to wonder, I was well, what's going on with this movie? I haven't even seen a deer yet. Because the, the, <laughs> the pitch of the movie and everywhere else is, yeah. you know, a young boy befriends, takes in a deer, and will he be forced to lose the deer after, like, the family? Because the deer causes mm-hmm. problems. And... um. I didn't know it took place, I guess, the Civil War. The movie starts out. the
1: Civil War in Florida, mm -hmm. the outskirts of the Everglades.
0: Yeah. And his family has a farm. Really nice kind of property they have, actually. I liked it. Yeah. And the father is like a working father, et cetera, et cetera. And he doesn't have any friends. He's Mm -hmm. kind of bummed about it. He wants a pet for himself, Mm -hmm. which I thought was funny because they have like four dogs but the dogs were, weren't considered really pets, No, they honestly. were like hunting dogs. Yeah. And he uh, comes upon this orphaned uh, fawn because they, um, his father was bit by a snake and they needed the organs of a nearby deer to put on the wound, mm-hmm. which I thought was a, just a strange idea that I would not have considered ever. You know, he gets bit by a snake and he tells Jody, his son, go, go cut open that deer that I just shot Mm-hmm. And give me the liver to put on my wound. So he takes in the deer, and the deer causes the fawn causes problems. That happens at the halfway stage, pretty much of the film. Mm-hmm. There's a whole hour of life in the family that takes yeah. place for the first half of the movie. Just a leisurely up, yeah, pace. It's super leisurely. They 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 show you how there's a bear that is a, that is killing some of their animals in the first part of the film. Um, And then they, they go and the father and the son go to try to find the bear and kill it. So the dogs lead them to the bear and the gun backfires on Gregory Peck. So that leads into another story where he has to then trade. He has to figure out a trade to get a new gun and he trades one of the dogs. And that eventually leads you to the deer storyline. But how about the scene where the dogs are fighting the bear? Mm-hmm. on the movie. Wasn't it was like well a, done? it was like a real scene. Like yeah. you're seeing hunting dogs attack a bear and vice yeah. versa. I couldn't believe that I was actually seeing it in a, in a movie because it was like real. Uh-huh. There's an there's a message at the end of the movie where it says that everything was filmed with, you know, the the approval of the Humane Society yeah. or something like that. Yes. But I I thought the the stuff with the mother was very interesting and well done. You know, she's yeah. grieving for her three children and in a very kind of non-emotional way she's not outwardly emotional to her only living child left and gregory peck the all-knowing father i mean he could know, he did no wrong in the entire film but he knew that and tried to try to communicate with his son about why she's like that yeah i enjoyed the the, end, the the second half is jody coming to grips with the fact that he has to kind of give up this deer his pet mm-hmm to continue making it as a family because the deer is eating all their crops right and i I, f- I felt so silly by the end of the movie um the crux of the film is you know he eventually has to kill the deer to for the family to survive he has to right. kill this deer and they the yearling they're talking about the deer the, the, you know the deer is now a yearling it's a year old um but by the end of the movie you realize the yearling was jody it's jody that is the titular character and i had no idea until gregory peck literally spelled it out at the end of the movie yeah. where he tells his wife he's done come back different
1: he's taken to punishment he ain't a yearling no longer
0: and like i'd like slap my forehead at the end of the movie and that was like the last line of the movie <laughs> But I, I liked seeing this way of life and how, you know, a mother dealt with grief in the Civil War era, how a family dealt with grief. Mm-hmm. Um, I enjoyed it by the end of the film, for Did sure. You? Yeah.
1: Well, I'm glad, yeah. But that movie, like you say, it didn't grab you until the last uh, part of it, or the last half, but that movie really... I found inter- interesting right from the beginning. Hmm. Really did. The
0: yeah, the, he takes Jody, his son, on a lot of kind of trips back then, mm-hmm. where he meets up with these kind of Hick. I don't know, I want to say Hick family, but yeah, I don't know what the that family Aren't did. They great
1: character actors. They in were that part of that family.
0: He meets up with a, a family to trade with that pretty much are just drinking moonshine or you know liquor all day long. I don't know what their actual job was or if they were farmers, but the son, Jody kind of gets another vision or how to perceive how smart his father is when he realizes he needs to trade for a new gun. Mm -hmm. And he takes one of the dogs with him that wasn't a good hunting dog. And one of the kind of neighbors takes an eye to the dog and says like, well, why wasn't that dog hurt during this fight with the bear? (laughs) You trying to tell me this is a lame, you know, hunting dog? I think this is actually your best hunting dog and he made it out unscathed try to explain that to me and gregory peck kind of played a poker face yeah and he's like oh well you know this this one is not for trade you know i wouldn't part with this one and the guy gets so upset and thrusts this gun upon him and says like i want that dog and i get what i want and here's this two sh- here's this sh- new shotgun that uh, you just put the gun the bullets in and it fires and you're done so gregory peck's character kind of like tricked these you know neighbors into getting him a gun. And you can mm-hmm. see the Jody's face, he realizes it. And he's like, oh, my father's pretty smart and I realized what just happened. So that was cool to see him grow up during the course of the film.
1: What'd you think of the uh, relationship between Jody and the, the boy that was in the family mm. that was close to his age who was crippled? Yeah. Because he wanted to fly like a bird and he jumped off the building and he became crippled, and so you see the boy coming up to him with with the crutches, and his name was Fodderwing, mm-hmm. right? And uh, then they go up to the boy. Well, the boy's tree has a treehouse. He actually lives up in the treehouse most of the time.
0: I thought it was funny how literal it was that he hurt himself, like he was actually trying to fly. Yes. In other movies, you would just take that as a metaphor. Like he tried to do this and that was his way of trying to fly. I th- I thought their relationship was interesting.
1: Wasn't it though?
0: Um, it was his, o- his only other friend. Right. And unfortunately, like, like the second time he went to go visit him, they found out that the boy died.
1: Right. Yeah. And,
0: Cause he was going to bring the deer to show, show him off.
1: And I love that scene where uh, the, uh, one of the members, I guess the boy's uncle, Fodder wing's uncle mm. talks to Jody. And he said, uh, Fodder Wing had. He, one of the last things he told me, he said, Tell Jody to name, to name the deer Flag because when he runs, you can see his ta- white tail up in the air and it looks like a flag waving. Mm-hmm. So you can tell him to name him Flag, and that's that's where the, his pet gets the name.
0: Yeah. The, the other takeaway from that scene too is when he, they, I guess he had just died that day. Yeah. So his body was in like the living room area with all these relatives. And he, Jody, he, once he tells Jody that he's like, well, Jody, do you want to come in and see him? And I thought to myself, like, why would you ask a young child to come see the corpse of his dead friend? Uh, but it was just so different back then. Yeah. You know, Jody's running off on his own all the time. He's going hunting. He's responsible for so many things. Um, the kid's, back then we're treated like as an he was 12 so yeah. he kind of wasn't you know a young boy necessarily but not even from then when he takes the deer when he first gets the deer and he's like you know running off with with him kind of ju- like you know running through the woods together when he brings the deer home for that first time and the background of the clouds is behind Jody and that really connected with uh, his friend because he talked about wanting to fly, being right. with the clouds. They really tied it together. Like this was him flying mm-hmm. with the clouds behind him. I thought that was beautiful.
1: It was, yes, yeah, some beautiful shots. Him run, like you said, running along the hills with the uh, the blue sky and the white clouds and uh, the background music playing. Mm-hmm. And even to, at the end of the film, they find Jody after he runs away. Jody's kind of grows up in that period, becomes very mature in his thinking because of the experiences that he had. But yet when the movie ends, I might be wrong, but when the movie ends, don't you see him? It like reverts back to him running those hills with Flag mm. when Flagg was still alive. Mm-hmm. And it was very emotional the way it ended because – you know, he goes back to his childish ways of thinking, running with a deer, and and you hear this great background score, and then that I think that's when the movie ends.
0: Yeah, I was thinking back to his well, he I guess technically he was thinking back to his childhood because at that point it was over. Yeah, um, yeah, because at the end of the film, he. We were skipping ahead a little bit, but at the end of the film, his he, they're forced to kind. Of, he works hard to protect the crops. He right because his father gets hurt, pulls a muscle. Yeah, so he gets a hernia. Oh, it was a hernia.
1: Trying to uh, uh, get the uh, tree stump mm-hmm. out of the property,
0: he tells his parents, "Give me like one more shot." He builds a fencing system around the crops, which is an, uh, unreal for twelve year old to was do.
1: Unri- of course, the mother decides to help him too.
0: Yeah, that was a great scene too.
1: Yeah. But uh, no matter what they do, to keep that deer out of those crops, that bugger. <laughs> well, I well, I was. <laughs> I thinking sort of that- hated the deer at that point. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I was. <laughs> what well, that last scene? Yeah, where they go as far as high as they can without dropping dead. You mm-hmm. know, with uh, building this fence, and then at night you see the deer walk up to the fence, look look at the fence. And then you see him jump over. Oh, my God, how did he do it? How, how did he jump over the fence again? Mm-hmm. And there he is eating the crops. And then Gregory Peck, that morning, still lying in bed with that hernia problem. Jody, I want to talk to you. Son, you know what happened last night? For got into the crops. You know we can't live unless we have the crops. We'll starve, and that deer is eating everything. Oh no, no, I, I'll build a higher fence, Dad, I'll be, a- no, you know what has to be done? You have to go out and kill that deer. <gasps> Do you remember his yeah. expression? <gasps> Great shot. No,
0: <laughs> no. <laughs> 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 Uh, And he he tries to, he like takes him, he takes Flag and says, go beat it, you know, never come back. Yeah. So he's still very childlike in that way.
1: Yes. But you know Flag's going to come back. Oh yeah, and he does. Yeah.
0: And the mother ends up uh, trying to shoot Flag and she only wounds him. Right. And this leads to Jody being forced to put him out of his misery, which he does, but he curses his mother essentially and runs away.
1: I Yeah, I hate you. I hate you both. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Yeah, which is totally, up up until that time, they had a perfect relationship, you know? It was Mm -hmm. like, it was even better than Father Knows Best. Really, that was on TV. And then everything falls apart. Jody runs away, and he just wanders into the woods. And then eventually, he's so exhausted that he falls down into an old canoe, that was mm-hmm. uh, at the edge of the water there. And then the canoe just goes down the river and he's just like passed out inside. That was a great scene. But eventually a river boat, I think that was on the river sees him and picks him up. And uh, what'd you think of that scene? When he, when he comes home and uh, Jane Wyman and Gregory Pecker on the porch and they,
0: Amazing scene. First of all, I couldn't even remember how, I couldn't realize how he would have gotten home from that. Cause if you live in the woods, I know how on earth would you even know where you lived? If you were in the, if you were in a river and then you somehow got back to land, maybe guess If you yeah. do that enough, you know where, but that scene where he came home and Gregory Peck was so pleased that he was still alive. I thought it was amazing how this is, this is where he ceased being a yearling. And he told his father, you know, I, I didn't eat for three days straight. Yeah. I know, he essentially said, he like, said, I know what it's like now. This is what you're trying to save us from. Yes. And Gregory Peck is so proud that he had this revelation. And he's like, well, you know, I'd be super proud. He said proud a lot, but I'd be super proud if you'd stay here and work on the farm and, you know, take more responsibility. And essentially the boy says, I'm, you know, I'm here, I'll live here with you guys and and take over. And during this conversation, you see the mother in the door frame. Tearing up, she, yes. she didn't make her presence known yet. But she saw that the son was alive and how he's grown up in these three days. And he, the kid, goes to bed, didn't see her still. And then she goes to talk to Gregory Peck, and Gregory kind of tells her, like, get in there, show him, you know, how happy you are finally. Yes. And she shows him more emotion than she's ever had in the past. And that's essentially the end of the film.
1: I love that scene that when he comes home. And then Gregory Peck has a heart-to-heart talk with him in that, just the two of them in the room, and he says, Jody, that's why I was happy you had the deer. I'm happy I had the pet that you love so much. And I, I wanted to keep you young and innocent as, as long as I could. Because I know you're gonna find out like I did when you get older and you get to be an adult and life kicks you in the teeth. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you said life kicks you in the teeth or kicks you in the stomach. But I wanted I wanted to you to avoid that as long as possible and be what you what you were. I thought that scene between a father and a son having a conversation was one of the best ever filmed in a movie, hmm. really. All the movies I've seen, I've never seen a more realistic and heartfelt and emotional scene like I did between the two of them. Gregory yeah. Peck and, and Cla- well, his na- real name, Claude Jarman Jr. And interesting thing about that is they they never could, they tested like 200 actors for that part, and they didn't find the right one. So they said, well, let's go to Florida and wherever, yeah, uh, for the location, let's start shooting, or maybe it was North Carolina they had to go first. And we'll go there and start shooting some of these outdoor scenes and, and then we'll send for some actors to come down and we'll, we will either test them here or we'll go back to Hollywood and round up some more. So the director Clarence Brown, who was a great MGM director, he directed a lot of uh, early Greta Garbo movies. Mm -hmm. Uh, He did a lot of good stuff. He was the director of the film, and he saw this boy walking down the street. And he said, oh, my God, he has the perfect physical char- characteristics now. I don't know what's he going to do with the, with the, uh, reciting the lines, you know, how he's going to be at that. Well, they asked the boy, they went, asked him where he lived. They met his parents and said, can we have permission to test your boy for this movie we're about to make? So they tested him and he seemed to learn his lines quick, put a lot of emotion in his lines. And they never, this boy never acted anywhere. Hmm. Never, I don't think even in a school play. Wow. And they selected him for the part. And he wound up having an interesting career. I remember in 1950, John Ford directed a great Western called Rio Grande with John Wayne. It was one of his what they call uh, cavalry pictures, like Fort mm-hmm. Apache. She wore a yellow ribbon, and this was the last of the trilogy, Rio Grande. He had a good part in this western as John Wayne's son. Did an excellent job. And another, how about the actor who played Fodder Wing, the mm-hmm. little cri- the crippled boy? Mm-hmm. Very good. You know, I never saw him before in any other movie, and. and there was something spiritual and ethereal about that boy mm-hmm. in that in that part. Remember, there was sitting up in the treehouse, and and it was getting to be night. and Father Father Wing was telling Jody, he says, you know, when I'm up here in the treehouse before I go to sleep, I see all kind of images out there in the night and Jody with his wide open yeah I, mouth wide open really like what i saw a fox playing with a rabbit or or a coon or something mm-hmm. like that you did yeah they 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 weren't fighting they the fox wasn't trying to kill them they were out there playing and sometimes when it's real quiet there's see that willow tree there just when it's starting to get dark, I see Spanish soldiers on their horses riding around the tree. Mm-hmm. You know the Spanish who came into Florida like years ago—the mm-hmm. Conquistadors or whatever you call them—and then Jody's his eyes are wide open. No, really? Yeah, the old Spanish soldiers with their armor glistening and I can see their guns and fodder Wing tells Jody all these stories that he sees at night and the kid was great and I don't remember ever seeing that kid in any movie hmm. he just disappeared yeah. and you wonder you know you wonder why things like that happen when you see a great child actor in a particular movie you never see him again what the problem was
0: I read that he uh, tripped down the treehouse and hurt his leg, and he could never act again. <laughs> the the one thing I read, you talked about the filming, how they went down to Carolina or Florida. Uh-huh. I read uh, one of these one of the quotes that I read that I really maybe chuckle. Um, they talked about how uh, Spencer Tracy was originally the yes actor
1: back in nineteen forty one.
0: They um they mapped out locations for mm-hmm. filming. They built the cabin. They built the surrounding areas to create a town from the set. With the Gregory Peck crew, and once the this is a quote, once the actors arrived on on location, a combination of the bugs, heat, and lack of enthusiasm for the plot made the actors leave. <laughs> this led yeah. to film the film being shelved for after three weeks of shooting.
1: Yeah, I'm glad in a way it was shelved because uh, I think uh, as great as Spencer Tracy was, I think Gregory Peck brought so much more into the part. It, uh, then too, there's an interesting story that Louis B. Mayer, who was the head of Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer Studios back in the 40s, the biggest studio in Hollywood, the most prestigious, the greatest lineup of stars. When Louis B. Mayer saw the movie, he was so impressed, and he cried like a baby on some of the scenes, and he was so impressed with Gregory Peck that he call, he he called them into his office one day, and he said, "Oh my gosh, Mr. Peck, here, I I just want to tell you that we would like to offer you a seven-year contract." Because at that point, Gregory Peck was a freelancer; mm-hmm. he was just starting out, and Gregory Peck, who was pretty smart and ahead of his time, uh. Didn't want to be tied down to one studio as great as an opportunity. This was, I mean, to MGM, Mm -hmm. the greatest studio in Hollywood. And you're turning down this contract. Well, Louis B. Mayer, they say was the best actor on the lot. When he wanted to get something, he would go into these performances. He says, How can you refuse me a con, an opportunity like this? And he, would get down on his knees and and put his hands up like he was praying, says, please, 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 (laughs) sign this contract, you have to. Then he actually shed tears Hmm. pleading with Gregory Peck to do this, but Gregory Peck already heard about him, that he would go through this performance to get his way with a lot of people. So he knew that this was just not being singled out for him.
0: And I'd heard, I read it on Wikipedia, That Peck knew it was a show because when the guy was crying, he noticed he was wearing a scarf, but it wasn't from Half Double Design, not your granny's crochet. Amanda's ready to make your custom scarf, blanket, you name it, and you won't regret it. HalfDoubleDesign.com
1: for more. And Gregory Peck said he was such a great actor, even though though he had an audience of one. He would go all out, mm-hmm. and Gregory Peck wouldn't sign, mm. and he never did sign with MGM. He would come back as a freelancer and made several films after that with him.
0: To Kill a Mockingbird was black and white, and that yeah. came out like 20 years later, but this was in color. Yeah. Was there just a period of time where movies were in color? No, and- no,
1: there, back in the 40s, uh, there were a lot of black and white movies still made. Yes, and even in the early fifties, there was still a lot of uh, black and white movies, and occasionally, they would do the the color film. They felt maybe this would be a better movie if we had color, and they were right because of the beautiful scenes, you know, the Everglades and all, and the scenes with the deer. How about that scene too, where uh, Jody goes back to look? For the fawn, because after the mother, uh Gregory Peck shot the mother to get the liver. Mm-hmm. After he was rattlesnake bit, and he told them, "Yes, Jody, you can go back and see if you can find the fawn." And he was looking and looking, and he sees the little tracks in the mud, and he follows the tracks, and he he sees the big li- uh, a big bush or something or with the big leaves, mm-hmm. and he takes the one leaf and pulls it aside, and there's the little fawn. Yeah,
0: it was a beautiful shot. Yeah. Looked like they spent all day on that shot.
1: (laughs) 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 It's uh, so heartwarming, really. And it was a big success for MGM. Mm -hmm. And I I guess, like, you're talking about Spencer Tracy earlier on the crew. When you look at the story, you think, this is a story about a little boy and his pet deer. I mean there's nothing here, what can they do with this? Yeah. But it's amazing what you can do with a simple story that has a lot of heart, mm. a lot of heart and emotion, just like Meet Me in St. Louis, the musical. It's a story about a family who's making a move to New York City. I mean, what can you do with this? Yeah, Can you make a whole story out of it? They did, and it was a great film.
0: The uh, Some of my notes that I wrote down uh gregory pack's character says the word gallivanting which is a word that i closely associate with you you're the only person that i've ever heard say that word so i wondered if this was your first hearing of the word gallivanting and this is where it stuck
1: <laughs> no, I, no i i can't remember where i picked that word up
0: yeah early in the movie there's a quote too that i wrote down that gregory pack tells his wife where he specifically says don't be afraid to love the boy which i thought was a Very obvious, you know, Mm -hmm. explanation of where the movie was going to go. He said it pretty early on. Six days of rain is what caused a lot of the consternation, too, in the family about how their crops were underwater. Yeah. Six days straight.
1: You know, it's... uh, There was a... Your livelihood depends on the weather, and that's got to be very stressful. Mm -hmm. In fact, there was an article recently in Reader's Digest, which floored me that a good number of farmers commits suicide more than you would think yeah now here i always thought that would be the perfect stress-free life is to have your own farm (laughs) work the farm you're outside in the in the weather getting fresh air you're your own boss and you know you're doing what you love, and I would thought I would always thought like the farmer up here has been. He's 84 years old, and uh, he's still farming. He's been living in the same house since he was six months old. Just saw him the other day out there in the tractor, living on the same farm for all these years. And when I read that article in Reader's Digest, I said, you know, I never thought about that. It could be very stressful. What if you don't get the right weather for your crops and uh, and it doesn't turn out right?
0: So where does this role of Gregory Peck fit in terms of um, father figures in movies? Oh. Are there any ones that you uh, held to high regard? I can't think of
1: a better father, father figure in movies or in TV.
0: When you uh, were growing up as uh, a father, did you always look back to this role as a... like? Uh, <laughs>
1: I'm sure it was, Guiding light. Yeah, I'm sure it was in my subconscious about how he was understanding of his wife. Mm-hmm. You know, the different moods she would get into and all. You have to have patience. You have to have humility. Of course, works the other way, too. I'm sure mom looks at me sometimes and she says, oh, I have to have patience here or I have to have understanding here because right. yeah. I, I, I have my quirks. <laughs> A lot of quirks. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so what were some of the best movies you've uh, seen recently? Any ones that stand out?
1: I liked... Um... The newer ones, Mamma Mia, Here We Go Again. Really? I like that one. Oh, God. What was it called? Three billboards outside. Really? Eb- Ebbing's, Missouri. Do mm-hmm. you like that? I like that. I didn't
0: like that one at all.
1: No, I know. I, I don't know what it was. That was a pretty raw, brutal movie, but it had heart. It yeah. had some heart to it.
0: I think that's where my disconnect was. It was a a dark movie that had yeah. humor in it and I couldn't marry the two together in <laughs> yeah, that in that movie. With no
1: redeeming qualities. Yeah. No, I I, I was impressed with that.
0: Did you see Aquaman?
1: Aqu- Aquaman?
0: Did you see that one? No. Captain Marvel? No. <laughs> Are you gonna go see the new Avengers movie?
1: No. <laughs> <laughs> The, three the hours. Effect. I wouldn't expect you to sit through that <laughs> three one. Three hours plus, plus the 20 minutes of baloney that you have to go through <laughs> before the movie opens. And that's an endurance test. Mm-hmm. When, you, when you tell me a movie is over three hours, well, I uh, that's an endurance test, and I can't, I'm not in shape for that no. anymore. Yeah, and uh, I'm not a, I know you are uh, a fan of, your, of the Marvel movies. Mm-hmm and uh, i w- i wish i could be so we can talk about talk about them more but i'm never a fan of the superhero movies the except the uh, i did like the wonder woman movie mm-hmm. i thought that was good but that's dc isn't it yeah and the Cap- i would like to see the captain marvel movie out of curiosity even though i think of captain marvel as the Comic book hero back in the forties and the early fifties.
0: What do you think your favorite horror
1: movie is? Would have to be, I guess, the first Alien. Mm. Yeah, that that's the kind of movie that after you see it for the first time, you think about it for a couple of weeks after that. Mm-hmm. After that, and that that's the mark of a good mo- a horror movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was creepy so so doggone there was an air of creepiness about the whole thing i'll never forget that and yet the remakes to me were disappointing rip-offs the right. second one was a complete rip-off of the first one and the third one i don't even know if i ever saw because i was disappointed in the second one
0: james cameron did the second one
1: did he yeah, yeah. now that, that didn't come up to the first the one. standard for you yeah and one of the best uh Atmospheric horror films was uh, the original thing. Oh yeah, from 1951. Mm. That I mean the, the the you can't say there were like horrifying scenes in it, but it was just an and uh, just the atmosphere of the film. You knew something was going to terrible happen and you were just waiting for it to happen, but you didn't know what was, what was it going to be. Mm-hmm. And it did happen at the end. I've never seen the original thing. Oh, you no. got to! Never yeah, seen please. I hmm. always forget that scene where there these these guys. The you're scientists, not going to spoil it for me, are you? Well, they're in, <laughs> they're in, <laughs> they're in the North Pole for some kind of expedition, and they said they heard a a, a crash in this, and the radar picked up this. Uh, sound and they they went on this uh, expedition to try to find where this crash happened and they see this area and oh my god they they look through it's like a lake a frozen lake and they look through the ice and they see like a is that a is that metal is that a metal thing of some kind in there And they said, well, and look, we don't know how big it is. So I guess there were about 20 of them. So they said, let's let's make a circle around to see how big this thing is. So you see them like walking and going around the edge of it that's in the ice. And they make the circle. And there's a long shot of them standing in a circle around this object. And you can just see a glimmer of the object in the ice. And I, and that scene is—I'll never forget that scene, the way it was done. And That's in the original too. Yeah. Well, yeah. That's the the, 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 50s the Same one. thing happened with the Kurt Russell yep. version. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But it was, and, and the uh, it was in black and white, mm. the, the first one. And uh, now I know the second one was in color. I don't know if you ever read the 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 uh, actor who played the thing. Did you ever read that book? No. James James Ness in a, one of his earlier parts playing this alien creature that they find in the spaceship. And mm. James Arness, as you know, went on to be in Gunsmoke. Mm. Gunsmoke, one of the great Westerns of all time on TV, lasted for 55, 65, lasted for 20 years. Marshall, Matt Dillon- one of the legendary characterizations in TV. I remember
0: um, for years, there was a big deal that The Simpsons was going to pass Gunsmoke in terms of uh, how many seasons, and it did eventually.
1: They did, did pass it, though, Yeah, right?
0: like 10, 12 years ago, I guess now. Well, thanks, Dad. I appreciate it.
1: Yeah, I wish I could think. I think there's more scenes in... Oh, I just... Uh, Jane Wyman played the mother. It was a totally different part for her. Because she was in, in these frivolous comedy-type things. A year after she made *The Yearling* in 1948, one year after she appeared in a movie called *Johnny Belinda*, where she played a farm girl who is mute, can't talk. She was raped in the movie, and which is a pretty bold subject for 1948. Yeah. She never said one word in the movie, and yet she won the Academy Award for the Best Actress in a Motion Picture that year. Wow. And, uh, you know, she was married to Ronald Reagan. I didn't know that. You didn't know that? No. Yeah, she got married to Ronald Reagan in the 1940s, I think late 1940s and early 1950s. Uh, I I think they were married for 10 years, had two children, and then he met Nancy Davis, well, after they got a divorce, they he met Nancy Davis back in the early 50s. But they asked her one time, she never said anything, they always tried to interview her when Reagan became president. He says, no, I refuse all interviews. Mm-hmm. But she did, after they got a divorce, she did tell one reporter, she said, Ronald Reagan's a great guy, but... He's a great talker, too. If you ask him what time it is, he'll tell you how a watch is made. (laughs) (laughs) That's the only remark she ever made to a reporter after she got a divorce. Hmm.
0: Season four has officially kicked off. It took a little bit of time getting here, but we did it if you're listening to the show right now and you enjoy it, you have one job. Share a link to this episode, retweet it, share it to Instagram from Spotify or re-IG it from the Faves Pod Instagram, whatever that's called, I don't know. Uh, that really helps spread the word of the show a bunch and it's probably the laziest thing that you could do to help the show grow. Don't forget, there is merch available uh, in the show notes. You can get your own Faves t-shirt. You can get a half double design t-shirt. Uh, and in a future episode, very soon, Amanda will be rejoining the show to do a Q&A episode about marriage and parenting. So if you have questions, uh, you can hit me up on Twitter, hit the Faves Pod up on Twitter, or send an email to FavesPod at gmail.com. Goodbye.